and welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am indeed Charles McFall, the Rock Out of Podcasting. If you get get that, it's Rock God of, of Podcasting. You know, sometimes I speak a little fast. Don't know if you understand what the brand is, but that's that's the brand. You know, so you understand it's going to be high energy, kind of metal attitude. Picture rock band on the stage, man. That's me, except I use my speech instead of a whole lot of loud music to make you move forward. So today we've got a lot of great, or not a lot, we got a great question coming in. I, I want to tell you something new. Got something new going on. Got a new email for you to make it easier. R-G-O-P. Rock out of podcasting, right? R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. Easy peasy to remember. Send those questions in. R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'll tell you all about that after we do the show here. I'll wrap up with that stuff. But I wanted you to hear that, so I'll tell you one more time. R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com will get your questions in. I'll tell you how to get your voice in at the end of the show. We have a question today from a longtime friend and a former business partner, R. Mordant Mon. He and I met, uh, uh, wow, five, six, seven, man, maybe even longer than that. No, longer than that. We met... When my son was being worked, I did pulling my pods. So, holy crap, I've known him for over 10 years now. Because uh, we wouldn't have gone to the festival when that happened. I don't, man, I don't remember exactly the time frame. But basically, I did pulling my pods, my very first podcast ever. And my son uh, was born towards the end of it. We talk about it on the show. Uh, I, there's actually pictures of me editing the show in the delivery room while we were waiting to, to actually have him and all this other stuff. And that was my first interview with the Tortuga Twins, where our, I met Armand Mon. He plays Raphael Tortuga there. So then we we later on down the line, I, I interviewed them again. That's when we became friends and so on and so forth. We did a show for five years called Success Freaks. That was a, a part of this show, really, where I talk about, we're there, I was talking with him about life and lessons and what we need to learn and giving advice and how to change your life. And I worked through a lot of different things there and it was great, but the time came for us to, to split ways, but that is something we did for five years. And I believe he's still carrying that on. So he's got a question today that he wants to hear me tell you an awesome story about. So for over a year and a half, you've been working with IRUSA, Islamic Relief USA, on our show, Success Freaks. What's it like or what have you learned working with Muslims? So I'm going to tackle the end of that question first, the the whole Muslims in general thing. I I, I got to be honest, because this is my show, I got to say it the way I think it is, I think that's just a horrible way to look at it. And I'm not calling more than, I'm not calling you out, I mean, I know you phrase it a different way and you and I pick at different things and semantics. I'm just going to tell you, when I hear Muslims pulled out of IRUSA, it's, well, I define them by their religion. I've never done that. I've never went, oh, I'm working with Muslims. This is new. No, I'm working with people. And it's, it's nothing different about it. I've gone to a couple of the dinners. And while obviously on the surface, let's be real, I'm white. Most of the people at that dinner are brown because they're from the Middle East. That's a surface thing. Do they see it? Do I see it? Physically, reality, yes, we see it. Do we mentally and, you know, does it affect the way we act to each other? No, we don't even notice. Are my dressed in, in a you know sports coat and jeans and they're dressed in traditional Muslim gear? Mostly, yes. Does it matter? No. We don't register that. I've never felt like they've ever registered that I was an outsider. I've never registered this was anything different than a fundraising dinner for a, uh, a cause that I believe in. 
So the whole let's uh, what's it like working with it's like working with people, man. I don't see it. it. It's not an issue, and it does kind of bug me when somebody brings it out, especially. And I won't talk about more in a little bit, but especially here because I'm so close to him, and I want him to stop seeing it that way. There was one or two times I know. There's plenty of times I said stuff that bothered him. Plenty of times, and there's definitely times when I was wrong, and he had to wait for me to learn. And here is one of those times where even on success rates, he mentioned, "Oh, I'm so I, I've learned so much about." Muslims, and he actually inadvertently, but words mean things, and we we act out of the. Uh, it comes out of our true selves, right? He inadvertently phrased it. Oh, Muslims are real people too, and he laughed and he caught himself. This is on an actual show we did and and put out, and that line was out there, and he caught himself, and that's not what he mentally meant, but it is honestly where he lived. He was surprised that Muslims are people, and I'm like, how's that possible that? that you're Mr. Accepting and you're actually this world traveler and you're actually this, this you go all over the U S and see all kind of people. And that's honestly kind of where you sit, that you were surprised. You were surprised that Muslims were people. You phrase it in your question here. It's not just about working with our USA and Muslims and nothing. There's nothing new about working with Muslims. They're people. And I wanted my audience to hear that. I want you guys to know because I know I attract a wide range of people to listen. The the other show that this is a part of. So part of what built this show is Success Freaks and diving into how we see the world, giving different points of view, teaching lessons, learning, those kind of things. The other part of this was a show called Bear Crawling that I originally did well with. Uh, I did Pulling My Pie, which is a really dumb zoo crew thing. I did What I Believe, which was about beliefs and picking them apart. And that kind of later in, you know, I took those influences, the good parts that happened in those shows, the comedy in one and the, the belief stuff in the other, made a show called Bear Crawling. And it was about drinking out beer, really. And I, I didn't usually go harder than beer, uh, although I can and I will at times. I'd love to drink, don't get me wrong. But we'd be drinking some beer and hanging out, and I'd just tell the wrong jokes and be the funny guy and the energy. And every once in a while, we'd get into some deep discussions. So I wanted that raw, unfiltered ability to speak, which I had on bear crawling. That's what came here, that I really sometimes just want to dig into an idea without being interrupted. That's new here, because sometimes I have to talk through it to really figure out what I'm trying to say. And if somebody jumps in with their point of view, it throws me off. And Success Freaks was built that way. And actually, all the other shows I do are built that way. This is the only show I do by myself. But I needed it to be able to go, huh, I haven't told that story yet. And today, we're actually going to get into a whole lot of stories I've never told. We already have, you know, talking about uh, Muslims and, and how you see them. But I attract a different audience. And I I remember the biggest show I did on Bear Crawling, the, the biggest response we did. We did it live always. And, and I was learning promotion and this and that. We, Prop 8 was a bill in California at the time about basically, I think you, I, I see laws and politics. We're going to get into some politics. People keep wanting me to talk about politics. We're probably going to do a show here soon, but politics are so fucked up, man. They're so stupid. So I can't remember if Prop 8 was written to say, we, if you vote yes, you're legalizing gay marriage in California, or if you vote yes, you're making it illegal. You know, we're saying as a state, you can never be married. I, I can't remember which way it went because laws are written so fucking weird sometimes that you really have to get a translator to say, okay, I want to say yes to gay marriage. What do I vote? Well, you vote no on this prop. Okay, why can't it just be simple? Why can't it be, do you want gay marriage to be legal? Yes or no? That's not the way fucking politics works and it's stupid, but this was going on at the time. 
And I was like, okay, we're going to have a show about it. And I'm going to talk about it because I've seen my friends on Facebook, the religious friends getting involved. And, and, and I'm saying this isn't a religious thing. This is a legal rights thing. And even Jesus said, get the fuck out of the law. He, he says that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a direct quote. I think uh, he, he said, get the fucketh out of the law. But, you know, eh, it's all in translation, right? <laughs> my point is, on that show, I realized how diverse my audience was. I was the common core here. On one side, I had my gay friends who were very liberal. And they were on there talking about why gay marriage should be legal. On the other side, I had some very ultra-conservative people that at the time I considered friends. Now kind of going... You haven't grown up. You haven't changed. This has been 10 years now. You're still a gun-toting nut who wants to go out and shoot immigrants. We can't be friends. Yeah, okay, that's a little of exaggeration. But no, this guy actually was a Minuteman on the border, presumably in California or Arizona or wherever he lived. He lived right there on the Mexican border. And he would go out with his guns and other people with guns, and they'd catch illegals coming across the border with guns. I'm like, something's going to go wrong. And and the fact that you feel so strongly about having to keep somebody out that you're going to spend your entire weekend away from your family to do that, there's something wrong with you. Something in me says, "Uh uh-uh, I got to get away from you. And I did. I'm not friends with him anymore. But anyway, at the time I was, he came on, the religious right, some people came on. And I'm like, holy crap. All these people listen to me. All these people see in me something that represents them. And yeah, I, it's so diverse. You know, I had uh, 16-year-olds listening, and I had 80-year-olds listening. And of course, they all bring a different point of view to what I'm saying or hear, you know, hearing what I'm saying and this and that and the other. But, you know, I attract, I'm just saying I attract a wide audience. So I wanted my audience to understand, I people are people. Uh, there's a uh, on Pokemon Go podcast, another show that I host. There's a guy named Joseph Ard. Now, I don't know how much of his life he wants me to put out, so I'm not going to put it out there, but he's one of my co-hosts. And it came up the other day that I knew he was somewhat religious because of certain things he said. You know, there were certain little clues. I'm like, oh, and I, and I mean this in a neutral way. You're a churchy. And that's my neutral way of saying you believe in some certain font type of faith that you ascribe to a tenant that won't let you say this or do that. However, he always, he never seems to cringe when I say dirty words, right? He never, he laughs at the, the jokes. He doesn't tell the jokes and he's never saying that I'm wrong. He never came off hypocritical at all. So it actually came out to which branch of faith that he follows. And he goes, Oh, you, you probably could tell him of this. Like actually no, Joe, I couldn't tell that. And honestly, to me, let me tell you something. That's a great thing. I knew you were a churchy, meaning that you you believed in something and that you ascribed to rules of a certain type of faith, but I couldn't tell you what it was, and that's a good thing. Now, some people in faith would say that's a bad thing. You should definitely, he's not living the faith. No, no, he is. It's called he made a choice for his life, and he doesn't seem to need to force anybody else into it. That's a good thing. I'm just saying, I have no idea what type of faith he has. He just had a little bit. You know, Obviously, there was enough there to show, but that was it. He is his. It's what he does with his life. Same with any of the Muslims. They're just people. We're just working with them. So my little rant aside, IRUSA, Islamic Relief USA. Let's tell that story. It's been an interesting relationship, but it actually has solidified where I am in life and what I want to do in life uh, as far as who I want to be. 
how do I react to certain situations? Do I need to be professional and and consider it? No, 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 no. And they, they've actually been really great about that. But here's the thing that I, I've learned about myself. I'm tired of being nice for nice sake. Now, I'm a nice guy. Anybody who's known me for more than five minutes will tell you. I've got a big heart. I'll try to do anything I can for you. I'm very sharing. I'm very charitable. I love to help. I'm a nice guy. So when I say I'm tired of being nice, I mean... This isn't the situation. I mean, going, I don't want, oh, 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 a, a story that we've actually told on Success Freaks. This plays in. There was a moment, very quickly, there was a moment when Mordet and I were trying to build a conference, and he came across somebody who said they could help us. And the short version is, the first conversation we had, I got a very bad feeling about it. I was like, she's over-promising without any details. Something's not right here. There's no plan. Well, I, and I hate that thing of, oh, if you want the plan, you got to pay me because you could just steal my plan. No, anybody's afraid of a client stealing their idea? That's fear. I can't deal with that. And I had this conversation with him. But at the time, I wasn't very solid in who I was. And I hadn't proven to him that I have a track record of going, no, I'm here. I'm reasoning this out. This doesn't feel right. Let's not do this. I was still reactionary to things. I didn't have reasons for things. I just knew what I felt. So it was fine for him to go, I don't exactly know where you're coming from. I see it totally different. Let's have another conversation with her. So he did nothing. Morta did nothing wrong in this situation. So, But when we, sure enough, when we had that other conversation, it went badly. It went very badly. And it ended with me going, dude, just use your credit card, pay her, make her go away. And I got off the call. I was like, I'm done. I did it because I was being nice for nice sake. Well, I should have said, I can't put it into words, and I know I don't have a track record to prove that I'm right, but I'm telling you this is going to go wrong. We need to stop here. It doesn't feel right. I learned from that. He learned from that where there was a few other times that we worked together that solidified, hey, let's do this. But that was being nice for nice sake. All right, we'll be professional. We're here. No, I don't need to. And I got, I got to tell you, watch Shark Tank. I learned a lot from Damon John. Just He goes, no, I don't like it. I'm out. Okay, cool. No harm, no foul. Now, sometimes the people like react to it. Sometimes like, what? But he doesn't care. It's not a bad, good thing. It's a, this is me thing. So that's where I am now. That's where I am now is I don't want to be nice for nice sake. So this whole situation has been good to help with that. Because it was the first time that after I'd really decided that, I decided I'm done being nice. Because there there was a, I never did find it. I never did find it. I know I've used it here before. But I saw somebody write one of those nice little quote memes that said, uh, playing nice only prolongs the inevitable or something along those lines, prolongs the pain or you know, those kind of things. So this IRUSA, Morton and I were at the last New Media Expo that ever was. And that's a whole different story too. We had a panel together and I think Carl had come to hear that panel. And I think it, the panel was about making money with your podcast. And we had Brian Ibbett was on it and Brian Brushwood. Jay Soderberg, uh, Armand Mon, and myself were that panel, and I hosted it. I created it and hosted it. And I believe Carl was there for it. In MX, I was super busy a lot of times. I don't know why. It's not like Dragon Con where I can tell you exactly why I was busy. I was always talking to people. who were always talking to me at that time. And apparently at some point, maybe right after that panel, Carl came up to join the circle of people talking. I never saw him at that point. Morton apparently did. They started talking. Which is how these conversations go sometimes, right? I, they talked about Irish. I don't know what they talked about. Later on, that night or the next day, 
you know, I remember we had just done a huge uh, red carpet thing for the IAWTV awards uh, morning and i did and it took a lot of energy it was like two solid hours just going and high energy and camera work and this and that and uh we were exhausted and carl that's when i first registered carl he came up and said he'd been talking to mordant a couple of times during that week and he introduced himself and he's like yeah i'm with uh, irusa i'd like to talk to you about sponsoring your podcast so i went have you heard the podcast she said, well, no, not yet. I was like, well, go hear the damn podcast where you try to give me money. <laughs> and so I, I heard a little bit of his pitch. I was like, I, I don't know, man. Because I've been down this road before. I've been down, and not that he was starry-eyed, but I've been down the road of starry-eyed people going, oh, my God, your energy is so good. We want to do something with you. I know my energy is great. I know I attract people, especially when I was really up and coming. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I attracted a whole lot of people who were good in their own right. They were heading in their own direction and they saw me and my energy and went, oh, let's do something with you. And it was a total wrong thing to do. I've been down that road. So I kind of chalked this up into that, to be honest. We ended up getting home, blah, blah, blah. Your life smooths out. We set up a call with Carl. And the pitch was, IRA USA is Islamic Relief USA. It is a Muslim-based charity organization similar to Catholic Relief USA. While it is based on the tenets of the Muslim faith, we do not just help Muslims. Now, it helped his cause. It helped his pitch that the some disaster in Tibet had just happened. I, I can't remember if it was a landslide, earthquake, what the deal was. But it was the big Tibet disaster of a couple, of, like two years ago. And they, Tibetan monks are known for hating Muslims. Not all, I guess, but th that's the stories that come out. So what, what the rest of the world knows about Tibetan monks, what I know about them, is they hate Muslims. And at the time, Tibetan priests were going around beating Muslims physically. I'm not sure like during the disaster or anything. I'm just talking about during that time period. That was a story that made national news. Tibetan monks are beating the crap out of Muslims, maybe even to death. That part I don't know. So this Tibet, this this major disaster happened in Tibet, and a Muslim organization, IRUSA, put boots on the ground to help people. Because it's not about other people's faith. It was their whole thing. It was never about what you believe. It's about how can we help you. So that was going on. Something else had just happened. And because that happened a few months before he talked to us. And they made... Time, I think it was Time Magazine or USA Today, one of those two legitimate news sources or, or publications, put them in the top six ch true charities to make a difference in the world as far as like that specific disaster. Hey, you want to help with this? Here is the top six charities that actually put their money where their mouth is, send most of it to the area you're donating to, and here's what they do. And IRUSA was in that list. They were in the top six. I never did find out what number they were. Not that's a true ranking. You know, number one's the best, and number six is the least best. I don't know. That's like, okay. That helps. There's, I forget the site now, but there's a website that you can vet charity organizations that will tell you this is a good one, this is a bad one. And I got to say, because I looked at it and I looked at other stuff, preparing my arguments for my audience, and sure enough, for my friends and audience, I got some. In the South, I don't know if it's everywhere in the U.S., but in the South, on a good weekend, on a nice weekend, you'll have firefighters out on a corner if it's a four-way stop. Sometimes they go to stop lights, and they'll be out there with the boot. 
Oh, we need money for the burn fund. That is the shittiest charity. Check it out on the site. You know, the fire, the boot, I think it's called, you have to find the exact name. It was like the boot burn fund or something like that. But I looked it up at the time because I was still very close to EMS then. Uh, still had ties or I was out in the country and I saw it all the time. I can't remember which. But they, they only give like 10% of what they bring in to to what they say they're going to. The rest of it goes to running their thing. Maybe it's even less than that. It could be less than 10% that they give. And I was like, that's hard. You're one of the worst charities in the world. And you've got every good-hearted, well-meaning firefighter out on a Saturday on duty or if they're volunteers just giving their time trying to get money from people that will never go to fucking helping burn victims or helping firefighters go fuck yourself education people know what the hell you're doing and asking for that's what i did going into this i wanted to know without a doubt that i could stand up and answer every question somebody had and my wife she goes i kind of feel racist i hate to say it but how do you know they're not giving money to terrorism it's like that's not racist that's fine because we know for a fact there are charities out there that give money to terrorism. They've been outed. That's a fine question. This is how I know. And I'm asking, you know, I, I'm doing my own research online. I'm reading the articles. I'm vetting them on the site That's that really dug into their finances. Everything came out crystal clear, crystal clean. I even flat out asked Carl. I'm like, Carl, this question is going to come up. I'm going to throw it to you. And it appalled Mordant. Oh, he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you asked that. I'm like, this is our business. This is not just my business. This is my life. I'm absolutely asking this. I'm like, do you give money to terrorism? And Carl laughed. He's like, no, it's a great question. You're one of the few who actually ask it, but no, (laughs) here's how you can find out. And he pointed us a couple of different websites that that showed. And we had to be very clear because apparently there's islamicrelief.com or .org, something like that. That is, there's one that's very similar. IRUSA.org is them, but there's one that is similar that I actually accidentally said on the first show when we talked about them. That's a bad one. They said, no, 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 we cannot be associated with them. Please make sure you get the branding right. It's IRUSA. Okay. So they're very aware that there are bad boys out there ruining the names of what they do. Uh, Often, I would refer to them as IRUSA just to avoid the whole Muslim debate. It's like, oh, boy, what are you doing with the Muslims? Fuck you, man. I'm changing the goddamn world is what I'm doing. That's what I always set out to do. So we went through that process of vetting, and, and we lost our audience. We lost our audience. We, at that time, had really gotten, Success Freaks had gotten on the Block Talk Radio. For the longest time, we got two to 300 downloads an episode. We got to eight to 900 downloads an episode. Spent an entire month after we said, yeah, we're going to move forward with IRUSA. It felt right. It, it looked right. It smelled right. We knew we were actually helping change the world. We knew that they were changing the world. And I never personally saw a dime from it, like with my eyes. It didn't go to my bank account for me to go to McDonald's. It went to our company account. They did pay us. It was a paid sponsorship, without a doubt. And we were honest about that. And we ran ads for them, and we talked about them, this, that, and the other. And once a year, we we did a show specifically for them. And that was all part of the deal. The money went to our business account, and it, it paid for our trips. Uh, Morning and I took the, the two, one to New Media Expo, I believe, uh, one, definitely to Podcast Movement. I can't remember what else we used it for. It, it might have been New Media Expo, it might not have been. So their their money helped us do more for our business. And Morton didn't see a dime either, for that matter. Let me be clear. He didn't take any and just go buy new t-shirts or something. It all went into our company and paid for it, blah, blah, blah. But my point is, the way I visualize money is if if it's not going to my hands, I don't see it. 
I, it's not there for me to spend. I don't know why I told you that. It was just part of the story. Moving on is we spent the month of June that year, a full month, four episodes, educating our audience, saying, hey, we've got a new sponsor. They're a little bit controversial. Here's a deal. And we spelled it out for them. In fact, the last show in June, we said, we almost spent the whole show explaining who they are, what they do, why it meshes with what we do, why we're making the decision to bring them on as a sponsor. And starting July, we're going to start running their ads, and they're going to sponsor us. And up through June, we had 800 to 1,000 downloads per show. First episode in July, were they're a sponsor, 300 downloads. We lost our fucking audience because we chose to do what was right. And you know what I say? Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. You didn't need to be here. You didn't want change in your life. You didn't want to do anything goddamn good. This is me working with RAUSA. It makes me stand up and see the world a little bit differently. Going, hey, we're standing up here trying to make a difference. Putting our money where our mouth is, per se, by actually affecting change and getting word out and helping them. They saw a huge increase. They saw when they would tag our shows in their newsletter. They interviewed us for the newsletter. I was told that second to Palestine, because Palestine is a huge Muslim thing, right? It's, it's like a lot of Christians will get Israel's a huge thing for them. I'm like, why? Technically speaking, they don't give a shit about Christians. They're Jewish. Why are Christians support? You know, it's a, it, uh, that's, that's never a show I want to get into because I don't understand enough to give you solid stories and a direction to, but I don't get it. I don't get why people just automatically, well, well, God, Jesus was from Israel. And why are you involved in their politics? It has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with faith at all. There's a lot of politics going on and a lot of politics in giving and charities. IRUSA doesn't have a stand on Palestine and Israel. What they do do is try to save the children and the orphans of everything that's going on. And so one of the things they do, you can support orphans in Palestine. You can support orphans all over the world as well. But their audience who likes to give money wants to see that. So we were second only to that in click-throughs, which is a huge deal for them. We actually increased their giving. We lost a hell of a lot in stepping up into this arena. But they gained a lot. And I personally gained a lot. Not money-wise, but standing up on my own two feet going, no, that's fine. I felt like, if you want to go Bible, you want to be religious right now, let's go to the story of Gideon, where he had the army. The, the uh, not Yeah, I think it's Gideon, where he had the huge army. And like let's say it was 1,000 people. By the time that God spoke to him and had him weed out so many people who didn't need to be there, he had like 200 people or something like that. And it, was an, it wasn't even an army anymore. So that's what I felt like. I felt like, honestly, fuck you. You sat here and downloaded our show for two solid months going, oh, this is a great show. I'm going to listen every week until we did something that hit some stupid political hot button in your life. You're one of those people who say, what's it like to work with Muslims? So quit listening. I don't need you. Thanks. And then you know what? We actually found a better path. We found people who are more vocal, more active. They got what we were saying. And honestly, that's the same thing I say with the Rock Out of Podcasting. There's times when I might offend you. Maybe you're not ready to hear what I have to say. Because these are my opinions. This is the story I'm telling. And this, this <laughs> Mike's going to be like, let's tag this one as angry. <laughs> this one's kind of, 
But I haven't been able to vent some of this stuff. Some of it is, some of it is still anger, residual anger from that moment, from those moments, or for history. Like with Mornet and I, we just have history, and we're like brothers. And I, I would like to see something different in his life. He might want to see something different in my life, but it's, it's one of those things. So anyway, we lost. We lost. We lost a huge, uh, a huge section of our audience. But we moved forward, and I felt good about it, and I felt great. And I started working with them and saying, hey, I'm not the guy who just gives you mouth service. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's so wrong. I'm, but I'm the guy that I put my energy where it needs to go, and I put my talents and my power where, where I think it'll do the best help. And so I started hitting up Carl, who was our contact, and saying, Carl, 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 I know you guys got to be doing something in the community. When can I help? And that very first year, it was last minute, but they're like, hey, we have this moment in Ramadan, which is 30 days of them not eating from sunup to sundown, and they eat a big feast at night. Well, there's a bunch of poor people who do that who can't afford the food. So during the middle of it, they actually pass out food. And I, I want to do that. And they kind of took that away from me because, yeah, yeah, come out and do that. I brought my two oldest kids with me, and they had T-shirts ready for us. And, this, and that's another thing. They never, nobody ever makes a T-shirt big enough for me. And I know I could use some, lose some weight uh, by far. By all means, I could definitely lose some weight uh, again. <laughs> but I'm still a big guy. I could be 100% fit, and I'm still going to wear a 2 to 3X shirt minimum because I have huge broad shoulders. I have very tall torso. I'm a big guy. I mean, it could all be muscle, and it's still not going to fit in your 2X shirt. It might look good. You know, it might be like the sexiest USA worker out there. <laughs> but it's not going to fit. So nobody, and it's not that. It's not all muscle now. It's a lot of fat on me. But my point is, it people don't make shirts big enough. My kids got the shirts, and, and I wanted to teach them helping others is awesome. Because that was definitely the catchphrase for success rate. We help others to be awesome. I wanted them to be a part of that. And I come out, I want to get my hands dirty. That's what I've done all my life is I don't show up thinking I'm the hottest shit in the room. I know I'm a big guy. I can lift heavy things and I have no problems handing things to people and helping out and doing what I'm good at here. Let me carry that for you. And I get there and they treat me like a celebrity and that's kind of cool. But you, I even said this, I'm like, you're taking away why I came. I didn't come here to be a celebrity. I came here to help, to actually get people food. And I got to move some boxes, but for the most part, they're like, oh, we got it. We're cool. Uh, thank, you know. And they let my kids definitely help. My kids did a lot, and they learned a lot about it. And they got to ask, what is Ramadan? And they got somebody to tell them. Because I'm like, I can tell them all day long, but it helps to hear it from somebody who practices it. And they got the energy of, here's why I do it, and this is why I enjoy doing it. Here's what it means to me. And, and it's a great moment for them. But I didn't get to do a whole lot. But I wanted to. And I, I even complained to Carl. I was like, look, man, I appreciate the celebrity quote unquote status. But when I show up to work, I show up to work. I'm not there to bring my name and, and have a celebrity appearance and wave my hand and be special. I'm there to get my hands dirty. I get that. Yeah, that's cool. And I met a few cool people there, this and the other. And, and we helped pass out food. And I didn't do a whole lot. So later on in the season, it, it got closer. And uh, I kept saying, I want to know when things are going on so I can come and help. I can come and do something cool with you. Understand more about what you do. Put the word out more. Help you raise money, something. So he said, hey, there's this dinner coming up in November, October. Sorry, in October. There's a dinner coming up. They called it something. I can't remember what it was. 
He said, there's going to be a great speaker there and you'll be our guest. And I thought, well, that's fine. I can be your guest. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to pay for dinner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't, I mean, I do have a little celebrity status. I don't want to have to pay for dinner, but I'd like to come and help otherwise. And I told him, I was like, do you need any sound stuff? Do you need anything? No, 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 no. You're our guest. Just come. Okay, fine. And I met the, uh, the guy at the time who was the regional director for the South that organizes all these things. And he, he's literally at all these events. Uh, he actually recognized me from the stage. He saw me sit in the corner and cause I brand everything with my face, right? All my emails and everything. And he saw me sitting over there at the table I was at and he recognized me. That was a fun moment. That was a fun moment being called out from the stage going, Hey, uh, host of success freaks. Who's a really great partner of ours. Here he is. You know, and then, you know, cool. Wave my hand. Well, here's the part I've pretty much never told anybody. So they're going along and they're, they're, they're doing some standard things to raise money that I just believe is the wrong way to go about it. And it, it was failing, but he was trying the best he could. Honestly, no offense to him. I think I could have done better because I understand people and how to reach them, but they were doing some standard fundraising things. Like how many right now, if you spent $5,000, you would save a million kids who can give me one person. Well, nobody comes to these dinners at a, honestly a bullshit hotel with that kind of money people like me come with little bits of money people come who support the cause i think somebody there maybe gave 500 as a biggest chunk but a lot of people gave a lot of little things you know because they do the whole pledge now raise your hand thing whatever and they were, they were doing that but that's the thing is like if you you go to a small hotel with a small banquet room and wallpapers peeling off the wall a little bit. I don't want to make it sound like we're in a tenement or a rundown roach motel or anything, but there's things my wife noticed because we're sitting there at our dinner waiting or you're sitting at the table waiting maybe during dinner. And she's looking around going, wow, this is kind of a trashy place. Now they had the lights down. They had a, a nice spotlight set up on the stage. It helps draw your eye away from that stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean that there's a rip in the wallpaper there and there's, I mean, there's dirt on the vents. Like that, we're sitting next to. There's huge things of dust that that somebody could have cleaned that nobody cleaned. The staff was arguing with each other a little bit. It wasn't nearly as professional as it should have been. The food was good, and the service was okay, but there was just definitely things that that turn off donors. I mean, if somebody literally had the five thousand dollars to give you, they're gonna walk in and go, "I don't know about this." And I know there's a there's a there's a fine line, right? There's that fine line of going, well, we give most of the money away. So we're showing you we give most of the money away by being in a smaller venue. That's a good stance to have. But at the same time, when somebody's going to write you a check for $5,000, they want to feel like they're in a place that that's safe. And that's in a place that looks nice and carries himself with elegance and costs you some more money unfortunately to get into but it's the presentation it's the the professionalism it's the cleanliness of it so here's the other part i haven't said which was while we're there my wife and i were very moved by the president you know we're like we like to give money away we don't have a whole lot of it especially then especially now we don't have a whole lot of it we like to give when we can, because if you don't, if you're not putting money out, it's hard to make money come in, right? There's got to be a flow, in my opinion. There's always a flow to life. So if I'm just hoarding money and not not giving it to help other people, I'm not going to get other people to help me. That's how I feel. You can call it karma. You can call it whatever. We like to give. 
we sat there and talked about it and we never raised our hand. We never wanted the attention, but we said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to give, how much can we give? It wasn't a lot, but it was something that we could do every month. I said, yep, I think we can cover that. And she goes, I feel good about that. Let's do it. And we signed, you know, we did the pledge of love, whatever, put the information down and pledge to support. And we've been supporting. So fast forward to, uh, you know, success freaks worked really well with them. IRUSA, when Mordant was there, <laughs> and it turns out good for him. This is his style, but he tends to jump into things without thinking about it, and he says things without realizing what's going to happen. Uh, that's how our conference came about. But in this case, he was there recording a show, and they invited him to some meeting or asked him to be part of a meeting after the show or something like that. And, of course, I wasn't there. I wasn't in Washington, D.C. physically, and they didn't, I guess, think to Skype me in or something. I don't know. But he was there, and they were talking. Who knows what they were talking about, but ultimately it came down to you, you, IRS, you, IRUSA, need to do your own podcast. You need to do your own podcast with your own voices that lets your donor base know what's going on, that lets the world see what's going on, that they can hear the stories of people who give their time and energy that what's happening you know talk to people who actually show up uh there was a huge immigration thing in uh the europe i can't remember what was going on but there was a bunch of people it obviously had to do with oppression and war and people were flooding the other european countries and ultimately i think we got refugees here as well uh, or maybe we got refugees from a different country i don't remember but there was a big thing going on then and i you say had people there to help with the refugee situation. What can we give you? What do you need? We'll get you water. We'll get you what we can. Here's some money to buy stuff. Uh, you know, whatever. They're there to assist and help. And never dictates. Never dictates this is how it should be. They never say you have to be Muslim or here. Put our stamp on it. They just go and do. Which is the best way a charity should be. And that was that was going on shortly after they started doing their own podcast called What a Relief Podcast. And IRUSA being Islamic Relief, I came up with the name. I was like, oh, it'd be fun if you just could. What a relief podcast. They took me serious and they named it that. And it is a good name, but it's it's fun. So they actually talked to somebody who was there. So instead of getting news reports, instead of getting third-party accounts that are skewed, because we were talking, Mike and I were talking before the show, and one of the things he said was the news will always give you the negative aspect of it because that's what sells so instead of giving that negative aspect of what was going on they got somebody who was there on the ground in the midst of it talking about the real families and the real responses and and everything that's going on that's that's something you don't get and that's why they needed a podcast so he suggested hey you need a podcast I'm like hey will you do it for us <laughs> and when he came to me he was like um i might have gotten us into a bit of a, a situation. And after Todd's like, no, you got yourself in a situation. Not that I'm opposed to doing their show. It's not my heart. I have zero desire to do that. Whereas Mornet does. I mean, he's always wanted to touch the world. This is his thing. He loves getting those stories and sharing the experience of of that kind of helping the world. That's, that's I, nothing wrong with it. I'm just not attracted to it. And at the time, too, I was very busy. But I was like, I know they're paying. They're offering to pay, but I can't do it just for the money. I, I don't have a heart for that. I don't, it sounds callous, but I don't care. I don't care enough to talk about it. So 
he started working with them. It worked out perfectly. Him and Carl do a great show together, and there are times when he just does something. That I would say, you should never do that. Never ask a question. Tell me what's on your heart. Dude, that opens up the door to all kind of dangerous bullshit. Don't answer that question. That's what I would have said to him, but I wasn't there. And he asked that question, and guess what? I was wrong because the, the answer he got from that question was amazing was something that was never shared anywhere else at that time. It was a real-life moment with the guest that they had on who was there talking about his organization and how they work with IRUSA and how they're very similar. And when Mordant said, tell me something, you, do you have anything left on your heart? And he shared this thing he was going with through with his family. Gold. Just amazing moment. You did good, man. But I see that's why I don't belong in that show because I would have said, don't you never ask that question. You never ask because you're going to get – because the possibility truly is you're going to get a dumb story that's boring as crap. You're going to get an awkward story where he just had a fight with his wife and needed to vent about it. You're going to get a racist story. You're going to get all kinds of stuff. That's not the question you ask. But he did it, and it worked. So they're doing that, and I'm starting to move on. But nobody knows. Morning, and unless he listens to this show, this episode, he never knew I gave money. Never. Carl didn't know until I had to tell him because of where I'm about to get my rest of my story. So I, I've been giving money since last November, and the spring rolls around. And I'm not getting any emails from IRUSA. I'm not getting any mailings from them. Every once in a while, I get something in the mail saying, hey, would you support this child for X amount of money? He's like, no, I'm giving you money. I, I can't. I understand that you have to send it to me. I get, I get that, but I, I can't give you any more money. I can't do it. I'm already giving you as much as I can. And that's it. I wasn't getting any kind of invitations to events i wasn't being told this is what's going on i wasn't being given updates nothing and so i'm always hitting up carl going what is going on man Where, where's the next event i want to help with something else i, I want to help with the identity and i'm not getting the information because they're not getting him in time or every once in a while i mean i need to plan things three months out is what i'm trying to tell you and i'd get it two weeks out where i have stuff booked sometimes so it was an issue but there came another dinner and he's like, hey, I know you've been wanting to do this. We're having our, our this again this past summer. So a summer went around. And I was told way too late about handing I know. When I asked him, I happened to be, the show was going on, and the guy in charge of handing out the food, I was like, hey, man, when are you coming back to Atlanta? Because at this when we did that show this year, it was earlier than when we did the show the previous year. And the Atlanta date was later in Ramadan. It was towards the end of Ramadan. So I asked him, I was like, hey, when are we going to do Ramadan? Or uh, the food distribution? He goes, oh, we were, in, we were in Atlanta like two weeks ago. And I didn't say it on the air because it wasn't that kind of show. But here I went, what the hell? Are you shitting me? All I ever do is beat down your door to volunteer, to give you my goddamn time, to give you my energy, to help, to do what I can fucking do best. It doesn't have to be talking on a microphone. I don't need the goddamn line light. I can lift heavy shit, and I'm happy to do it. I love making a difference in people's lives, and I know you don't get enough people to show up for these things. Nobody ever does. It is very rare you have to turn away volunteers because you have too many. I've grown up in the church. I know this. So I was pissed off. And so out of that, Carl's like, oh, you know what? They're doing a dinner uh, here at this time. Can you go? I definitely I had the night available. I said, as long as I can bring my kids, because I really don't want to find a babysitter for this one, uh, if that's cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a family thing. Bring them. So my wife and I and the four kids got 
uh, you know, dressed to go to a nice banquet. Went to a place, even on the outside, was a little dirty. We're like, huh. And you walk in, and again, there's wallpaper peeling off the wall. There's, there's just the way they set up the buffet table, literally the server to fix the table had to break through the line where they'd set up the line to go get food. They had to cut through the line to bring more food out. It was a really bad setup. The audio guy was, was I believe, doing the best he could, but it was ringing. The video wasn't set up right. There was a lot of little things that just went, oh, my God, you guys need help. What is going on? Aaron and I are there. We're, we're, the food's great, and the, the people are, are great, man. The people are talking to us. We'd never seen anybody else before. Uh, the people are talking to us. And it just, it was a great experience with people and we weren't being treated like superstars or anything, which is what I always hope for. Now we did get said, Oh, you know, you're Charles and fall. This is a beautiful family here. We have a table for you. We got a little special treatment that way, but we never want to feel set apart. Right. Especially my wife. She just wants to blend in. Now it's, we all knew it's going to be hard to blend in because we're not going to be dressed like traditional Muslims. Right. We're not going to uh, be Brown. I mean, that's just not going to happen. We, but we want otherwise, we, we look past that. We hope everybody else does. And they did. I mean, it, there are people who sat at the table with us. We talked. We had a good time. Uh, if we had to ask a question about the faith, they understood and they gave us answers. We didn't have to participate in anything we didn't understand or want to participate in. Because as much as I like what you do with our USA, as much as I can respect the Muslim faith and the Christian faith and the Jewish faith and everything else, I don't want to be a part of it. I, mean, I did a, a, a faith versus religion show. Go listen to that. That I'm not going to do the stand-up, sit-down thing. It's just not going to happen. But I can respect that you do it. I, that's fine. And there were just small issues. And, of course, they did the, the fundraising thing again. And, and at some point, I mean, it's so late, too, the way it runs. They have to wait for sundown, and then they have this big show. We left about, it was two hours into it, but I think it was about halfway through, maybe three-quarters of the way through. It wasn't finished yet, but we're like, eh, we got small kids. They've done really great, but we're going to have to head out. They were really cool, understanding, and the hearts of these people that are there, I got to believe on their own time, I got to believe that the maybe, hopefully, the main organizer is getting paid, I hope, but not everybody who works is. is. I think there's a lot of volunteers. I, they did great. The facility they picked, though, you know, had issues, had a lot of issues. The, apparently, the women's bathroom had some major issues. I know the men's bathroom had some issues. It was like, ugh, you know, this is... This doesn't make me see that this is a great organization. All I can see is the dirt and the grime and the the shit, honestly, that's around us. And it takes away from your heart and what you're actually doing to change the world. And there's little simple things to fix that. Use the same facility. And But I'm not the kind of guy who complains to complain. I'm the kind of guy who complains with an answer, with suggestions of how you can fix it, with even telling you i can definitely help step up and help do that and so i called i texted carl because he's my contact over there he's my friend he's the guy i know and i said hey let's have a phone call because there's some situations about this dinner i want to talk to you about and carl works at the main office for the u.s and they're a big corporate office and they see the world differently than on boots on the ground what you have to do here in in the area that you're in and the budget you have so they don't always see everything that happens and they don't always understand everything that happens. 
So I had a nice call with him and explained these things. I said, and I don't remember all the details, but I gave him all the details and it was fresh. And I told him what my wife said and what she saw as a woman, what she saw. And I said, these are problems. People are not going to give you hundreds to thousands of dollars in a shithole like this. It's just, I'm just being bluntly honest. It's a, it was a shithole. I'm surprised people come off with any kind of money in that kind of place. Because it makes you feel like it's not worth it. It makes you feel like the organization is cheap and shoddy. And I understand the, the paradigm, the paradox of having a nice place with bright lights and, and fresh paint and good people cost a fuck ton more money. And the paradox is we're trying to give the most money to the help that we can. But in order to get more money, you have to fucking make a good presentation. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And I, and I, offer, I talked to him about it. And he was taking notes. He said, oh, my God, you're right. And, and not that he didn't know any of this. He knew that I was right because that's how they do it in Washington. It just wasn't coming out to their people. That told me something at that moment. And I didn't relate this to him. I was like, leadership, man. Leadership is everything. And if you're real world, boots on the ground, people are raising money this way. That means the leadership's vision has not trickled down for some reason. It means that wherever you want to take this is not getting out to the people. Because I felt like they were doing the best they could. That they felt like they were doing the best they could. And maybe there's resources they don't understand they have. Maybe there's miscommunications. Who knows? But I know the people that I met physically in that space, they did everything they could to raise the money and to give everybody, uh, uh, treat everybody special and make it a warm and, hey, we're, we're doing something awesome moment. They did what they could. They had limited abilities, limited resources. So when I told Carl about this, he, he, he was appalled. And I said, hey, I own every bit of sound equipment that guy had, I own. The only thing I don't have is a projector and a screen. But I know people who can rent that to us. And they'll probably rent it for cheap. They might even donate the rental to us. Because it's a charity. But I can do a much better job than what he did. I understand where he's messing up. And the other part of it is the guy who did it was also Muslim. So in the points where he really needed to be working the soundboard, he's doing the faith-based stuff with everybody else. So nobody's on the soundboard. And I, I, I get your porn between that. But you need somebody like me who's not faith-based, who's going to give you the best show possible. Because that's what you need is a good show, an amazing presentation, a wow factor that I can bring without taking away from your faith. And I offered this to him. And I said, my wife, here's some ideas you had for the, the peeling wallpaper and this and that. You have a crew come in, a crew being one, two, three people. It wasn't that big of a place. She could have done it in a couple of hours by herself. You, not that you have to. They should have their own people. But you come in and make sure. All the toilets are working a couple of days in advance. And if it's not working, hey, you guys need to get a plumber in here and fix this. Because there were toilets in the women's bathroom that weren't working. There were stalls that ran out of toilet paper. Women, think about this. Guess who planned this whole dinner? Men. It just is what it is. We don't always think about that stuff. I wouldn't think about that stuff if it wasn't for my wife. And I wasn't even thinking about it then until she brought it up. Now, if I'm planning an event, I will try to think about that. But that's not here or there. She... Could have come in and cleaned all that stuff easily. She could have said, make sure you have a ton of toilet paper ready. Make sure all the toilets are working. Let's get a good good clean on this room. Oh, hey, there's there's wallpaper peeling off that wall. But guess what? We have IRUSA blue banners that we can hang up 
One, you know, one of the big complaints that I had was all the walls were empty and bare, and you could see the dirt on them. It's not like they were you know, caked in mud, but white shows up marks, and fluorescence will make white look dingy anyway. And this place was full of fluorescent, fluorescent lights. So you put color on the wall to take away from that. It makes it pop. It makes it shine without having to do anything different. And I said, you know, you could go to a store and get IOSA blue cloth and just make simple banners. He goes, dude, we have all that stuff available. We would have shipped it. So I'm like, well, I'm telling you then, man, there's a problem in communication because they didn't have it and they weren't ready for it. So we gave answers to everything and it felt good because I, I, I never want to tear anything down. I want to make it better. You want more money. Here's how you're going to get more money. And that's what I do. I produce everything in life and I'm producing their fundraiser is what I'm trying to do. And I started talking to him. He was like, yeah, I'm going to, put, I'm going to talk to David, which is Carl's boss. And we're going to talk about it. Now they were still in the, in Ramadan and Ramadan apparently is when they get the most of their money donated. And it was getting down the crunch time. He goes, yeah, David is on board. He actually, David came back with some other su suggestions that were bigger, better than what I was coming up with for me to be involved. And the biggest thing Carl said was, you know, he's on the, he lives there. He knows the area and he's willing to help. And David knew me. I mean, he'd been on my show. He'd heard success freaks. He knew what I brought to the table as a presenter and I'm offering these services for free at first, you know, depends on what they want. As, you know, I, I made that clear as a help. This is what I can help with once or twice a year. If you want it to become more, then it becomes a business and we can work that out. That's when I told Carl that I'm a donator. I said, it's not just that I'm a celebrity and I went there and helped out. I'm giving my money. And to that point, I never knew about this dinner. And it's in my backyard. This is, quote, unquote, my dinner that I should have been invited to. And I never heard. It. And he's like, oh, my God, what? He had no idea I was a donator. And that changed for them. That changed everything. I mean, they were listening to me before. But I said, now I have other complaints because I should have been invited to this dinner. As a person who gives you money, you know I'm, I've given money. I'm a part of your system. I should have been there, and I wasn't. I mean, I was, but only because I knocked the door down to do it. So this brings me to the business aspect of IUSA. And a important thing about me is this is something I actually verbalized many years ago when I knew I was going to lose my job. Uh, back in 2013, it was early spring. I lost my job in the summer, but I knew it was coming. The writing was on the wall. They're already laying off people. And I told, we had a team at Success Freaks then. And apparently an erroneous team because Morton and I moved on after I lost my job. We moved on without the team and did just fine. So we, we kind of went backwards at things. But we had a team and we were in a team meeting. And I said, we need to get Success Freaks ready to go 100% full-time business. Let's make a business plan. Let's, let's talk. And people... I don't know why, but, oh, no, you can't. I got resistance from everybody, and I, I got mad instantly when it shut up. So here's the damn deal. I'm going to lose my job, and you're freaking out that you think I want money. Go fuck yourself. Secondly, I'm what I'm talking about is I have a ton of energy. I am built of energy, and I know I'm offering to put it here to drive success freaks as a business to Find a way to make us money and work that as my job. And if you're going to shut me down and block that, guess what? I'm going to take my energy and put it somewhere else. And guess what? I did. Success Freaks never changed. My involvement actually got less in Success Freaks. Then at one point, I was doing all this other stuff. And because they didn't accept my energy, maybe it wasn't the right thing, maybe not. I'm just saying it's a flow. I'm not saying good, bad, or otherwise. 
It's a flow and a fact that I tried to flow my energy there, hit a wall. My energy flowed like a river elsewhere. And that's when I started from the helicarrier and started getting really busy with that. That's when I picked up uh, Entrepreneur Radio and they paid my bills for that first year that I was laid off. Uh, starting Well, starting in the calendar year of 2014, they paid my bills for most of that year. And I was busy with them and they got my energy and success freaks didn't. And I ultimately became to where I showed up for the shows. You know, Ricky and I would say, oh, what we're going to talk about. And we hired Mike to, to produce the show. So I didn't have to do that anymore. Uh, we found an intern, Billy, who was amazing, uh, awesome production guy, Billy, who would, would put the show notes and publish it. So it got to where Ricky and I were just talking to each other. And yeah, that's his real name. What, um, you know, he's R, the R and R Mornitmon is stands for Ricky. My, what I'm saying about all that is my energy went elsewhere and I invested elsewhere and it took me to the right place. I mean, I'm in a different place now, but that was what I felt with, with USA at that point. It hadn't even been a year of being fully involved as a donor and things are missing the mark. And I'm, I'm telling him, I was like, uh, and it felt good when he came to me, when he came back to me and said, this is what David said. And I'm not, I'm not putting it out. It's not my business to put out what David said, but the ideas I liked, they were good ideas. They could have grown into amazing ideas. And like, all right, because, well, we're finishing up Ramadan. We've got a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be a couple of weeks before we can have this phone call. Cause they want the first thing they want to do is have a phone call with me, the area, uh, director. I can't remember his name now, but I met him, the area director, his boss, and then Carl and David's boss or David. Or maybe maybe Carl wasn't involved, I don't know. But David, the the boss of the director for the area and the director for the area, because that's who I'd be working with. And month went by, and I'm still talking to Carl about other stuff. And, and I got to tell you, now I don't feel the energy anymore. The energy just flowed away. It's like the time passed. There, they felt, I didn't put a window on it consciously. I just know it felt right to do it here. And you felt it. I felt that things were going to change. And then they didn't. And... Business has moved on as usual, and I don't feel like I belong there anymore. And I express this to Carl. I was like, no, no, it's, it's going to happen. I was like, no, 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 Carl. I'm open to conversations. I'll still have the conversations. I'm still open to the universe taking it where it will. But what I'm telling you what I'm feeling is that energy has died. I feel like corporate, real people took the energy, took what's going to make a change. And it didn't have to be me. I just wanted, I just put it out there. But no changes have been made. I can tell you that now. Nothing has changed. And what they wanted to do with me, never move forward. And I, got, I said, dude, it feels like that energy has faded now. Because now I'm on to being busy with other stuff. And now I'm on to picking up new things. My energy has flowed elsewhere. And while I'm still open to having a phone call and definitely seeing ideas, I, just, I don't believe it's going to happen. I believe corporate, the standard corporate structure has taken over which is putting out fires or figuring out something else and, and not actually necessarily planning for the future and seeing what can truly change. And maybe what I would do for him wouldn't change anything. I don't know. But all I know is all communication stopped. Well, except for me and Carl, we talk as friends anyway, but about this topic, there was the flow shut off. I moved on with my life and now I feel honestly separate from our USA. Because of that, the energy flowed. Then something else has changed this year to where, uh, not that I don't believe in what they're doing. I do believe in what they're doing. But when I put my money out to do good, 
it starts with home first. And there's some people and some things I want to take care of close to home that I know for a fact will change a life, will change what happens with these people, will make life better for them. And I can see it and I can feel it. And I cut out a middleman. I can just give them money directly and help change their life. And I'd rather do that. And I talked to him about it. I said, look, I still believe in what you're doing. It's a good cause. I will always speak positively of what you're doing to to the extent of my knowledge. Because if I step away for a while, there's things can change. I don't know. But to my knowledge, what you do is great. However, I feel like my money needs to go somewhere else. Not because of anything you're doing. And not because you didn't follow through on the energy. Although the energy is part of it. I mean, when the energy pulls you in a different direction and it lights up these other areas and you see better how you can help people, that happens. And that's been my experience with IRUSA. Still making a difference on the ground. I can complain. I can tell you about the dirty hall that the dinner was in. But you know what they did? They raised some money. They treated everybody special. In a true heartfelt way of thank you for being here. You're making a difference. The money that was raised will absolutely go to help people in the community in Atlanta. It already has. Day of Dignity. Uh, well, actually, it might be coming up still, but the Day of Dignity uh, is where they take homeless people and give them haircuts and food. No matter what religion or race you are, I want to keep hammering that. That's the important thing that they do. So the money they raised, the effort they put forward was a great best effort in this limited capacity that I could, I could help so much more with, but they still did great. So there's no feeling separate because, oh, I didn't get involved. I'm just telling you what my energy is. And honestly, if certain things hadn't changed, my money still would be going there. It's my finances have changed a little bit. My situation surrounding me has changed a little bit. That's why I want to take my money and put it, re-guide it into something else I know for sure I can help that's more immediate to my life, that's more immediate to my surroundings. But that's that's people, man. I I don't feel bad about missing opportunities anymore because I realize that about myself, about the flow of energy in life and about the right time for everything. And I do believe there's a perfect time for everything. And if we say yes, this is a Wayne Dyer quote. If we say yes, I think I changed this quote a little bit. I, I know I started to quote twice now, <laughs> but I do believe I add a little bit to it, but it's still the heart, his quote. This is from Wayne Dyer with a minor tweak. We say yes, and we expect the right people will be at the right place at the right time. And I can't remember if I added the right people or if I added the right time or right place, but I think it's, I think his quote is the right people will be at the right place. I added at the right time. I added one of those things. But he said it best. I say yes. Yes, I'm here to help. Yes, I want to make the world better. Yes, I want to use my voice, my talents, my skills, my strength to do whatever I can to help you make the world better. And But I'm always in a flow. I'm always looking for the right time and the right place and the right people. And I'm always moving like a spiritual shark, baby. I am just flowing through the universe. And if you don't hit me, if it's not the right time for us to work together, I swim on. And that's what I felt like I've done with RAUSA is I'm swimming on. Does it mean it won't come back around? It doesn't mean that after this show airs, they might call me up. It doesn't mean that today after I record the show, they might call me up. Who knows? Things can always change. I never thought I'd do anything 
with emergency medical services ever again. Here I am hosting a show, a live show about it now, talking about my experiences uh, over 10 years ago, but talking about my experiences, what I learned, what I see in it, what I want to see in it in the future, and getting paid for that. So I know that as we move forward, things can circle back in. Growth happens, things change, and you can hit new spots that are reminiscent of the old spots, but they've changed. I have loved my time with IRUSA. I still love what they've done in the world, and I love the path they set me on, the strength. I started off by saying, I don't like playing nice. They've proven I never had to. I never had to play nice with them. I was honest in myself the entire way, and they embraced it, and they used what I've always wanted. You don't have to take all of me. I know I can be a bit much. I know everything that is me is not for everybody. I swear all the time here. I use fuck, shit, damn, all kind of stuff on this show. There are times absolutely when I don't do that because I know my audience. This is me. This is my home right here. I'll say it how I want to say it. I'll call you out how I want to call you out. I'll just express my thoughts, how I express them. However, if I were to get back on the success freaks, it'd be phrased differently. When I talk about something that might be the exact same type of thing, on breaking the panel, it's going to be phrased a whole different thing. You have to know your audience. So I understand that not all of me is what all you want all the time. Take parts of me. I get that. Whatever you can use, I am here for you. And they have, they really did. They, they appreciated that I never played nice. They appreciated that I offered everything that I am. They used some of it. I think Carl wanted more. It wasn't in the cards so far for that to happen. But it was a great experience. And I say was, because I do kind of feel like that time is passing right now. Don't know what's next, but I got to say, here's what I'd love for you to take out of this. It's not just the, the and there was a lot of, of somewhat anger in this show, because I do feel disappointed when things can't be better. There are definitely things that touch on my life and my experience in the past where I was the person who couldn't see how things could change, and I kept it small and ruinable. And nothing got ruined. I, that just word sent, felt right to say at the time. I call out Mordant because he affected change in me, and I want to see change in him. And it does irritate me because I've grown up my entire life being told that people are different, and we have to treat them different. Biggest thing in the church is, 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 hate to sin, love the sinner. Mm, that didn't work. Now, that's not at all what Mordant is saying. And we would, I would never intentionally say Muslims are sinners. But I'm saying, when you say, what is it like to work with Muslims? It feels like that phrase. Was it like to work with a sinner? Was it like to work with a Presbyterian because I was a Baptist growing up? Was it like to work with a gay person? It's, it's the people. That's what I want you to take away from this. It's people. And if you can't be who you are, those aren't the right people to be around. You have to be able to be who you are. Find the people that will fit with that. And IRUSA solidified that. You might even say, because of my experiences with IRUSA, we now have the Rock Out of Podcasting. Because they show me it's, it's not just okay, it's great to be who I am, to do it my way, to say everything I want to say and s express my views of the world the way I express them. And it's not just okay, it's awesome. So there you go. Now, I promised, I promised when I started this, that I'd tell you more about how to find me. Of course, again, the new email, rgop at charlesmcfall.com. But you can find me facebook.com forward slash rock god of podcasting. Are you on Twitter? At rock god of pod. You want to leave your voice on the show because I'd love to have your voice on the show. You can either record me an MP3 and send it in if you have that ability. If you don't, 
have that ability, that's okay. And you still want your voice on the show? Go to rockgodapodcasting.com. There's a tab that says, hey, we'd like to have your voice on the show. And you click the tab on any device that has a microphone, your tablet, your phone, your computer, your laptop. As long as it has a microphone that you can say, yes, use the microphone. You can then leave a message. Your voice will get on the show. And I'd love to have it. I love these questions. I never got to express any of that publicly. Any of those stories all together haven't been told as a whole to anybody in any one sitting. So thank you, Morton, for asking that question. Because you know what I love best about the show, besides saying what I love about the world, is having that ability to go into areas and express things I've never got to express before and to maybe learn something about myself. So thanks for that. We'll be back again. Go check out all the other episodes. All the archives are there on rockoutofpodcasting.com. You can hit iTunes and find all the episodes. Give us a five-star rating. I would love to hear that. And I'll read your, I'll read your reviews. If you want to be ugly about it, come on, baby. Let's go. Let's go, because this show, I'm not going to back down. You want to call me an ass clown that's a money grab? Let's do that, and let's let's work that one out. I might do a whole show on how fucking stupid you are. <laughs> but for the most part, I will read the reviews. So go to iTunes and rate me. And then, of course, blogtalkradio.com forward slash rock out of podcasting has stuff there as well. Thanks again, and go out and make your own life awesome.